Welcome to Building the Future. I'm your host, Kevin Horick. You can check out the radio version of the show every Tuesdays and Thursdays at 2 p.m. Eastern on WDJY 99.1 in Atlanta. We also air on a podcasting network in Los Angeles called the 405 Media. There's a TV version of the show that airs on KMVT 15 in Silicon Valley at 8 p.m. Pacific on Tuesday nights. Both versions of the show air in other states. For these show times plus past episodes, please visit the show's website at buildingthefutureshow.com. The music for the show is done by Electric Mantra. You can check them out at electricmantra.com. Conscious Company Media's World Changing Women's Summit, hosted from February 20th to the 22nd at 1440 Multiversity outside of Santa Cruz, California, is a first-of-its-kind gathering for female professionals who work at or are interested in conscious and sustainable businesses. Top female CEOs, entrepreneurs, executives, investors, and thought leaders from around the world will gather for three days to connect and share wisdom, insights, and best practices for thriving while changing the world for the better through the power of business. If you're interested in joining or know someone who should attend, go to worldchangingwomensummit.com for more information. Welcome back to the show. Today we have Megan French Dunbar. She's the co-founder and CEO of Conscious Company Media. Megan, welcome to the show. Thank you. I am so excited to be here with you today. Yeah, I, I think what you guys are, are, are doing at uh, Conscious Company Media is actually really innovative and really cool. But maybe before we kind of dive into that side of what you're doing Let's get to know you a little bit better and start off with kind of where you grew up. Of course. Uh, I was uh, born and raised in Evergreen, Colorado, which is kind of as idyllic as it sounds. It's a beautiful (laughs) mountain town outside of Denver. Um, So total mountain girl at heart. Uh, Got to grow up at 8,500 feet and then moved to Boulder for undergraduate many, many years ago and haven't left here since. So I have been rooted in Boulder for a long time. So so what did you take in university just out of curiosity? Yeah, at CU I studied journalism with an emphasis on news editorial. And then I also did a a degree in English with a focus on creative writing. So I was really into writing and journalism. Couldn't quite figure out um, which track I wanted to go for both of those and ended up jumping into the nonprofit world as you do. Sure. So was there kind of like a defining moment in your childhood that were you were passionate kind of about writing and journalism or what kind of made you want to take that in school? There was nothing defining in my childhood. I would say my childhood would, was marked by um, not having a particular interest in anything except for sports. Um, okay. I was a crazy soccer and basketball player and I really wanted to be a professional soccer player and um, I actually had a, a bit of an injury my senior year that ruined my knee. And so I, once I kind of had sports taken out of my life and realized when I was going into undergrad that I wasn't going to be a professional sports star, um, I it was the first time I stood back and asked myself, kind of, what do I actually want to study? I took a couple years to figure that out. And once I kind of discovered writing, which was just um, a class that I happened to take, that was something I was like, oh, I, I think I could major in this. And then I just threw on the journalism degree uh, because it felt like a, something that would open up doors professionally for me. Oh, very cool. So you, you kind of started to cover it, but walk me through your career up until you decided to co-found uh, Conscious Company Media. Yeah, it, it doesn't, it won't make much sense, but I'm okay. happy to walk you through it. <laughs> um, yeah, I, 
I graduated uh, from CU. I moved immediately down to Costa Rica. I taught English there for a year in San Jose. I came back to Boulder and wanted to get into the nonprofit world. And so I started working at the Boulder County AIDS Project um, just as an assistant there. That parlayed into a career with the Environmental Defense Fund, where I worked in their nonprofit fundraising arm for about five years. Oh, wow. Um, while I was, yeah, EDF the best. <laughs> um, they, while I was at EDF, they have a corporate partnerships program, and it was there that I kind of fell in love with the intersection of market mechanisms and doing good for the world. And I under, I started to understand that business can really be the largest lever of change in terms of making positive impact in the world. And so I found this fantastic program in San Francisco at Presidio Graduate School and went there for a couple years to do my MBA with a focus on sustainability and just had my eyes open to a whole new sector of our economy where there was all of these incredible social enterprises all around the world that were actually doing good for the world through the power of business. And so I, I graduated with my MBA and um, ended up working at a nonprofit here in Boulder called Slow Money, which works at the intersection of facilitating loans and investment into local agricultural institutions and um, absolutely loved slow money. And then I just had the most random thing ever fall into my lap. And I don't know, sometimes the universe presents you with opportunities and you say yes, and you don't know why, but um, I was offered the position to be the managing editor of two nationally distributed print magazines that were based in Boulder and they were kind of focused on yoga and lifestyle and conscious culture. And with my journalism degree, I kind of took it out and dusted it off. And <laughs> that's awesome. I don't, I don't know why I said yes and jumped into that. And it was a short lived career. It was a mere five months. Um, but it, it kind of taught me enough to be dangerous. And uh, as that ended, I, it was quite literally um, like serendipitously the night that that ended for me was the same night that we had the idea for conscious company magazine. And so I felt like I had enough knowledge to be able to launch a magazine of my own. And so I did. That's very cool. So you, you kind of just mentioned it, but what exactly, how did the idea come to be to actually launch um, conscious company media? It sounds like a magazine, but walk us through kind of how that came to be. Yeah, of course. I um, So when I was working at Slow Money here in Boulder, I met a woman named Marin Keeley, and she and I became fast friends. And she also was super interested in the intersection of business and sustainability. And so she did her MBA at Presidio's sister school, which is Bainbridge Graduate Institute, which has since been acquired by Presidio. So we essentially kind of went to the same school. That's cool. Um yeah, and, and she and I had just kept in touch throughout this whole time period where I went and worked for this magazine, and there was just one evening we were having dinner and talking about publishing and magazine and how we both loved print magazines, and she just asked the question, why doesn't a print magazine about sustainable and conscious business exist? Um and we we quite literally like, we got done with dinner. We ran home to my house, my husband and I and, and Marin. We all pulled out our computers and we researched it. And we found what we believed to be at the time a pretty significant hole in the market. There wasn't an industry publication for social enterprises. And um, 
and from that point forward, I, I feel like I was young enough and naive enough and brave enough and stupid enough uh, to <laughs> think, oh my God, I think that this is what I'm supposed to do. And so we launched with the print magazine. We that that conversation was in I think March of 2014. In April 2014, we filed for LLC. We spent the summer kind of pulling this together. We launched a crowdfunding campaign um, that failed. <laughs> so then we launched another crowdfunding campaign, and with that and with the money we got on that crowdfunding campaign and like every dollar we had for our names we pulled it all together and we got our first issue of the magazine out. It hit stands on January 1st, 2015. Wow. And that first issue uh, got picked up by every Whole Foods in the nation. And all of a sudden we were publishers of a magazine, which um, I think we kind of set out to just see if we could do it. And it was like a fun project that we were working on. And all of a sudden then we had a, a product that we had to continue to produce and so we did. We scrapped through that first year. I still don't quite know how we made it through the first year, but we did. Um, we got four issues out that year, and then it just blossomed from there. And we it kind of piloted this this print magazine, and then it grew into a full-fledged media company with events and online education, um, but all kind of centered around the themes that the magazine talks about. Sure. That's, that's crazy. I, I think... A lot of people say the same thing that you just kind of mentioned, like they don't really understand how sometimes they get to do what they do or, or get through the first like year or two. So I, yeah. I, I, I love when people actually like openly talk about that because it's hard, right? <laughs> but but I am curious to know, I, I obviously want to dive more in, into the company, but did you guys reach out to Whole Foods or, or how did that come to be? Like, how did they find out about you guys? Yeah, so they're in the magazine world, um, there's between us and Whole Foods, there's the distributors. And so Whole Foods works with one distributor, um, one source distribution. And then between us and the distributors, you can actually get a distribution consultant, which is someone who knows the lay of the land and can go to those distributors and say, hey, I've got a hot new title coming out. Um, So we hired a distribution consultant. That was probably one of the smartest things we did in those early days. We got a distribution consultant because we didn't know what we were doing with the distribution. And then I will um, very maybe coyly say one of the other smart things that we did is that um, for the first issue, we put the founder of Whole Foods, John Mackey, on the cover. And that was, yeah, (laughs) relatively uh, strategic, uh, knowing that it would be relatively hard for the folks at Whole Foods to say no to a magazine that had their founder on the cover. So um, we got super lucky that John agreed to be our first cover person. Um, but that was kind of, it was a perfect storm of things that led to that Whole Foods distribution deal. Sure. So did, do you guys reach out to John personally or did your distribution consultant help with that? Or how did you <laughs> land him on the cover? Cause that's huge we, actually. <laughs> we did. And again, it's like when you think back about some of the things that you do when you're building a business, um, there's some that you cringe at and some that you smile at. And this is one that I smile at, which is we in June of, well, I guess it was earlier than that. It was May of 2014. We had the idea for the magazine. We thought of the top 20 people that we would like to have on the cover of the magazine, which included like Richard Branson and Elon Musk and the founder of Chipotle and all these people. And we just like 
figured out their email addresses, um, you know, just sleuthing around on the internet. And we got John Mackey's email. We sent him a cold email that was like this ridiculous, like, you know, hi, we're two women in Boulder and we're going to be launching this magazine. And we just totally like faked it till we made it. We had no magazine to our name. We just said that we were going to do this thing and bring it into the world. Um, and about a month later, John Mackey's media assistant wrote us back and said, John is interested in, in helping you guys out. And um, I still remember the moment, the exact place and time of where I was when I got that email, because it was this, I knew that it meant that we were actually one going to have to produce the magazine. Cause <laughs> said yes, but but um, two, Sometimes it, you it need that, mean that <laughs> you do, you have to, you just have to have these little things along the way that make you c- keep committing to what you're doing. Cause it's so hard to build a business. And that was one of those things. It was this little cornerstone that we just, we forced us to commit to continuing down this path. And, um, but we also knew it was a really special moment in the fact that having John on the cover would actually get people's interest and we'd probably sell magazines and we'd probably get into Whole Foods. And um, so it was, it was a really big win for us in our early days. No, I, I think that's actually really good advice. And, and I kind of did the exact same thing you guys did when I was launching the show. <clears throat> I came up with a handful of people that I'd kind of been following their careers online a little bit and I was like okay I'm in a cold email like all these people and I'm gonna say I'm launching this show in a few months you know I would love to have you as like one of the first guests because I know like this about you and I think this is how the show could go like let me know if you're interested and I thought you know I, I don't even know if I'll ever hear back from any of these people and I would say majority of them wrote back to me. And I was, to, to your point, like a few minutes ago, like when you get that first email, you're like, oh my God. But I think also a lot of people respect the fact that you're like, look, I love what you're doing. I'm trying to launch something. Like they've been, they were there at one point too, right? And when you exactly. say like, look, I love what you're doing. I want to feature you. Like I think people like that. And when you're kind of authentic and you're honest about it, you'd be surprised. And I think that's really good advice to kind of give to the listeners, like set your goals high with some of this stuff, right? It's like worst case scenario, you hear back from nobody and maybe you try again in six months or a year or or whenever. But I love that story of how that came to be. That's great. Yeah. The worst I can say is no. And um, we, we very rarely have anyone say no to us. I think when you're, it's exactly what you said, when you're respecting the work that other people are doing in the world and writing them an excited email that is straight from your heart saying, Hey, I, you know, here's what I'm doing. You know, people feed off of enthusiasm and excitement and people want to help. So we've, we've just had so many doors open to us just because we've asked. Yeah. Um, You just have to ask. I know it sounds like, it sounds ridiculous to say, but yeah, like you just literally need to put it out there and like eventually somebody will say yes. It might take a while and, and then once mm-hmm. you get one, you just like, well, it was like, who's on your last cover? And you, you drop the like CEO of Whole Foods and they're like, oh, okay, I want to do the next cover, right? And then you just, it keeps exactly. snowballing, right? And then you keep, yeah, it's wild. That's, that's really great. So I, I'm curious to know, why did you guys decide to do kind of a print magazine? Because I, I think you'd probably get some people that would say, you're crazy to do something print, you should just go digital. So I'm curious why you chose to go print. Yeah, there's a couple different reasons. Um, 
the I think the main one at the beginning was really a, a print magazine establishes the publisher as the authority in the space. Yeah. Um, anyone with a computer can put up a blog or a website or a digital magazine. Um, it's super easy to get content up online. It is super hard to print a magazine. And so when, once you actually have that print magazine, it establishes you as the authority and people start looking to you. It gives you an immediate um, level of credibility. So that was kind of the first thing we really thought about. I think second was both of us just really loved print. Sure. Um, you know, I still subscribe to print magazines. I love the feel of them. I love the way it, it, it is. I don't, I'm not a big digital magazine subscriber. Um, and then the other component of it is from a business lens is just the marketing angle of it. So um, just take the first magazine, for example, we were sold to every Whole Foods in the nation. So every single person who shopped at a Whole Foods, when you go through the line, you see our magazine. Um, and so, you know, you get, you're getting hundreds of thousands of eyes on your product while it sits there in that little basket right at the checkout line. And then our distribution grew from there to Barnes and Noble and Target and Kroger and Safeway. And I mean, now we're wow. all over the nation and that marketing perspective of that people now know our brand, which drives people to the website. And so it's this whole um, virtuous cycle really that you can't get if you're just a blog or a website or a digital publication. Sure. Yeah, you're right. Because when you go, like I've subscribed before to those like digital magazine services where you get like every magazine under the sun that they represent. And mm -hmm. as you're scrolling through that list, it's like you're basically judging a magazine by its cover, right? Because there's like hundreds of them and it's this tiny little mm -hmm. thumbnail. And so that actually makes a lot of sense why you guys kind of decided to go the route that you went. But I'm curious to transition from, okay, so you, you launched this um, Conscious Company Media with being a magazine first but you guys are doing so much more than that now. Walk me through kind of the journey of how you went from a magazine to doing kind of events and courses and webinars and a bunch of other really great things. So walk us through that kind of journey. Yeah, I think there, there's twofold to it. Um, and I'll start with like, it's not the negative one, but it's more of the realistic one. One is... So for all of the wonderful things that I just said about <laughs> print magazines, there's a lot of um, negative things that I could say about running a print magazine. It is a brutal business model. Um, it, you know, it is, it is excruciatingly hard to run a print magazine. That's why there's so many that are going under. You have to, you're relying on advertisers. And so sure. you put out this product that you have to reinvent every single time. It's not just like a widget that you can put on the shelves and kind of make some adjustments to. You literally have to write uh, the whole magazine every single time. You put it up on stands. And then even if it sells out and you sell every single copy, you're still not going to make money on it. Then you have to rely on your advertisers to come in. And so it's, it's just, it's a flawed business model. Um, so when we were looking at just full on our, our revenue and how we were going to make it as a young company, we knew we needed to add some other diversified revenue streams. Um, so that was, that's kind of the more like businessy angle of it. But I think the more heart level angle of it is we wanted as a young company to have a bigger impact. And, you know, we have, we have thousands of readers and all these incredible subscribers and this wonderful community that we make through the print magazine. But when someone buys a print magazine, we have no way to really talk to them or understand who they are, or build a community. Um, and we, we can't quite understand the impact that we're having. And so as we were talking with our leadership team about 
the actual impact that we wanted to have in the world, it required us doing other things, which are kind of the magazine is this great entry point, but then we're also, we also wanted to start hosting events so that we could build this community in person, have these great touch points for people to come together and learn from these incredible people who are in the magazine. So there's this educational, inspirational component. And then we built in the online education so that there's a constant touch point so people can go back and learn more and more about this so that they can deepen their level of engagement with sustainable business. Um, so it was the, the twofold, both wanted to have a greater impact and also we needed to diversify revenue just to keep the company alive. Sure. No, that makes a lot of sense. And I think the the thing that I've kind of noticed just with kind of doing the show and whatnot, it's like not everything in your business model needs to necessarily generate a ton of revenue, right? Like if it can drive traffic to something else to make the money is at least something to consider, right? I think sometimes everybody's mm-hmm. like, I got to get paid the most amount of money for everything you do. But and they kind of forget, well, if one thing drives to the other thing and you make more money potentially with that other thing, maybe it covers the cost of something that you maybe break even on or or, or don't make a ton of money on. And it sounds like you guys have kind of found the sweet spot with that. Is that fair to say? Very fair to say. Yeah, that's pretty much exactly where we are right now. The magazine is our our flagship product and it is wonderful and we love it and it won't go away. Um and it's definitely not a huge revenue generator, but it serves many other purposes. So we we keep it in our portfolio of products for that purpose. No, I, I think that's great. So you guys kind of do a, a bunch of events throughout the year. Do you maybe kind of want to give a bit of an overview of, of those events and, and what you guys kind of look for? Because you guys have a bunch, you have a couple coming up right away and then one kind of in early summer. Do you maybe want to walk us through those events? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'll, I'll begin with the kind of most, um, you know, the event that's coming up the soonest, which is our World Changing Women Summit, which this is actually the kickoff event for this particular event series. And this is an event, it'll be February 20th to the 22nd at 1440 Multiversity, which is this incredible mindful retreat center outside of Santa Cruz, California. Um, And so what we'll be doing is for three days, we're hosting a retreat slash summit for female business leaders who are striving to use their businesses for good in the world. Um, we're bringing together, you know, CEOs, entrepreneurs, founders, um, executives, investors, thought leaders, just all of these incredible women that are actually tra- trying to use whatever resources or tools they have to make a positive impact. Um, so that will be the World Changing Women Summit. It is female only. Um, and one of the kind of realizations around that was when we talked to a lot of female business owners, they talk about how they want to have a safe space to be able to have some of the conversations that they need to have. And so we did make the the decision as a company to make this one event female only. Um, So that, and that will be kind of kicking off a series of events throughout the year where 
this this year we'll be launching in coordination with our parent company, um, the intentional company will be launching a series of events throughout the year that are also focused on women's rights and different issues within women and business. And it, it'll be the year of women um, is the campaign that we'll be launching around that. So we'll have regional events throughout the year, but the the main kickoff event is this world changing women's summit in February. No, that's, that's really cool. And I, I think it, it's nice to connect with other people that are, are potentially going through the same kind of stuff. Right. And I think what you guys are kind of doing with uh, you know, the world changing women's summit is, basically doing that right because we we all know that in in kind of business and tech that there's a shortage and so just connecting people uh, kind of across you know North America and kind of beyond with somebody that they could basically make friends with even just to say hey I'm having this problem or my business is here how did you guys get through that is is nice to have some of that stuff right I think for anybody but I love how you guys are kind of bringing you know, um, kind of women together to do this. Yeah. I, I, for me personally, I, I think one of the things I struggled with as an entrepreneur over the last four years was finding people to talk to. And, um, I have incredible friends and a, and a beautifully supportive family and I, but there's things that I can't talk to them about or that they can't relate to me about when I'm talking about, you know, like freaking out about making payroll or going out and doing an investment raise or, you know, whatever it is that you run into as a business owner or a business leader, there are just things that you cannot relate to unless you have been through them. And so I started to find, and it was always just at other conferences, these other female business owners and once we started opening up about some of the challenges we were going through, these people became some of the closest people in my life. And um, they're all over the, the United States. There's one in North Carolina and one in Oakland, California, and fortunately one here in Denver. And there's just these incredible women that have become my community. And what we wanted to do with the World Changing Women Summit was say, let's all gather in one place so that everyone can start finding allies. We can build this huge network of women who can support each other and rely on each other so that we can all help each other with our respective businesses. It's really the inspiration behind it all. Sure. And I think the other thing that some people forget sometimes is there's a lot of people doing really cool stuff in cities across the States. It's not just in kind of, you know, Silicon Valley or LA or New York or Mm -hmm. Miami. It's like, you know, I some of the best guests I've ever had on the show, for example, some, sometimes they're in like North Carolina and there's nothing wrong or I don't mean to bash North Carolina. It's just they're not traditionally known as like a, a startup hub. Right. But there's a lot mm-hmm. of really good people doing really cool things across the country. And so, you know, if you come to something like the summit that you guys are doing, like you might meet somebody that's like a state over instead of across the country. Right. Like which I think is exactly. really is really cool. But for people that have maybe never heard of the summit, what can they kind of expect to kind of get out of the summit? Yeah, um, the I, the thing I'm most excited about, um, uh, kind of beyond what I just talked about, which is sure. really the first thing is just deep connection with peers in a beautiful environment. It's a, it's deep in the heart of this redwood forest, and they have, you know these gorgeous outdoor amphitheaters. I mean, the actual experience of it, that's, that's wonderful for me. But the thing that um, I'm probably most excited second to that is the speakers that we're bringing in. And so one of the things that we do, obviously, as Conscious Company Magazine, is that we interview the greatest people 
around, uh, you know, obviously totally subjective opinion, but these are the the leaders of industry who are pioneering the ways of our new economy. um, And, and they're just brilliant people. And we are bringing over 30 speakers in all women um, who we've kind of found over the last three years of putting out the magazine, we kind of are bringing in the best of the best. And so they're all going to be having super intimate conversations on stage around the issues that they're going through and leadership lessons and workplace development and really having hearty discussions about the things that we actually are facing as business leaders. And so just the actual programming and content is the thing I'm probably most excited about right now. And I think the kind of biggest experiential piece besides kind of the connection and rejuvenation and um, that whole component is I, I feel like what would be best to expect from this summit. No, that's that's great. And and then you guys are kind of doing a, a big event in, in June as well. Do you maybe want to kind of talk about that a little bit and, and how it's kind of different from what you guys are doing in February? Absolutely. Yeah. So we have the Conscious Company Leaders Forum, which we launched last June. And strangely enough, it's, it's at the exact same venue, the 1440 Multiversity. We hosted our first event there and fell in love with it. It is really the absolute kind of quintessential spot to host an event in terms of they have the facilities, but you're also immersed in nature and there's, you know, all these wonderful yoga classes and meditation classes while you're there. So um, not to pump up 1440 too much, um, <laughs> but we will be hosting the leaders forum there again this year. And what this is, is um, essentially much of what I just described with the women's summit was kind of the impetus for the leaders forum, but then there's a little bit more to it than that. It is for business leaders in the conscious or sustainable economy who want to come together to have real deep conversations. The three tracks at this particular program, the first is personal development. And so we dive really deep into our own personal development as leaders, how to be a conscious leader and kind of the challenges that are inherent with um, leading businesses nowadays. Um, So then the second track that we look at is conscious workplace development. And we bring in some of the pioneers of workplace culture and development um, who are doing wonderful things around the world. And we have really robust conversations around how to design a culture and a workplace that is um, inclusive of all and also super engaging and Um, a very conscious culture. And then the third thing that we talk about is your impact in the world. And so this could either be as a business leader, kind of your own personal impact of what you're doing, or it can be through the actions of your business. Um, And so we bring in various examples of both of, you know, business leaders who are really starting to take a stand or companies that are starting to take a stand or both. Um, So for example, at our first conference, we had, you know, the the vice president of, of environmental affairs, Rick Ridgway from Patagonia come in and he really talked about how Patagonia is taking a stand for what they believe in. And he was on an incredible panel with Kat Taylor, who's the founder of Beneficial State Bank and the CEO of Seventh Generation. And the three of them talked about how they're making an impact in the world and challenged the people in the audience to kind of take it up to the next level. So, um, that's kind of the content that we have and the programming. It is a invitation slash application only event um, where this is one of the things that we're we're really trying to 
Cultivate here is a curated audience of decision makers and folks who you know that you're really amongst your peers. Um, and so last year, we capped the event at 250 and sold out pretty dang quick and had over a thousand people apply. So um, now that we're doing it this year, um, we're kind of expecting a, probably a larger response than that. Um, so, um, but yeah, it's it's just a wonderful retreat in in the redwood forest for three days where we talk about these really wonderful things um, all in the um, kind of circle of business. No, that's that's really cool, and I, and I think the thing. It seems to me anyway that a lot more kind of companies and individuals are, are really starting to care about um, actually doing stuff that's good for kind of their community, you know, the country, maybe even like the world. Right. And I think bringing the people that actually care about this stuff into one place so they could potentially help each other just network and, and then obviously learn a bunch of stuff is, is actually really cool. Right. And I don't. I like I haven't really heard of anybody else kind of doing what you guys are doing with it. So I, I think it's really great. And I, I love the fact that it's kind of invite only. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a it's an interesting line to draw, right? Because we don't want to be exclusive. We really wanna be building community here. And at the same time, we don't want we want people to come into an environment where they do know they're amongst their peers and they don't feel like they're being pitched all the time or having people try to sell them something. Um so the invitation only really, it was really effective for our first gathering. And the other thing that we loved about it is um, it wasn't just people who are, you know, tried and true sustainable business practitioners. We had a lot of people who were just curious, who really wanted to understand how to be a little bit better in whatever they do. So we had people from more traditional organizations. I mean, we had people from Nordstrom come, oh, we had people cool. from Deloitte come and yeah, really big names. Um, we had, we, we almost had one of the VPs from Arby's um, uh, sure, to cancel sure. the last minute because of a family obligation. But we had, you know, it was like we we had this great cross sector of people who are practicing this in their daily lives and then people who are really curious about it and want to learn more. And they they meshed beautifully. No, that's that's really great. So I'm curious, though, to go back into kind of the conscious company media side of things. You guys have also done kind of some some webinars and, and some business courses. What do you guys try to kind of offer and teach with these webinars and courses? Yeah, we're the the actual course itself that was kind of based on demand from our community where a lot of people are saying, you know, I love what's in the magazine, where do I learn more or I I saw, you know, I came to an event, but I don't understand how to apply this to my business. You know, how do I continue to engage? So we partnered with an incredible company called Thrive Consulting Group um, and the exceptional Nathan, Nathan Havey, who's their founder over there, and created a, a couple of different online education courses where it's for business leaders and professionals. Um, they can go in, there's a, there's a couple of different lengths of the education, you know, you can go as much as if you wanted to do a year-long course, you can, or a 12-week course, or just a day-long course, um, and you can really dive into the principles of how to do this, and so it was just a wonderful tool for engagement around continual education and really continuing to help our community understand these the what we talk about in the magazine day to day um and then the webinars is actually those are primarily just driven by 
our community or who are asking, writing in and asking about specific topics and requesting information on different webinars. And then it's also driven a lot by um, a lot of our, the people who contribute to the magazine. It's a great venue for them to be able to get a little bit more down and dirty. And, and if they write an article on a topic that really resonates with our community, the webinars provide another touch point for them to be able to go a little bit deeper and talk about whatever it is that is you know, really resonating with our crew. No, that's, that's really great. And I was kind of like browsing um, some of the, the webinars that you guys kind of posted online and, and you guys are covering some pretty cool stuff from like, you know, um, investing for the individual and kind of some um, branding stuff and career development stuff and, and just kind of, I, I think stuff that <clears throat> is, has different, right? Is instead of just kind of like you're giving content that I think a lot of people struggle with, right? Sometimes, right? Because, and especially when you guys kind of come at it from the, like the conscious of kind of being part of trying to do something good for the world, right? With kind of bringing that content in. Cause I think for a lot of people, it, it, it's never really mattered or, or a lot of brands, they never really thought about that, but I think a lot more people are actually starting to care and a lot more companies are starting to care. And I think even a lot of employees want the companies that they work for to care more about that stuff. At least that's been my experience. Have you found that? Yeah, no, that you hit the nail right on the head. Um, I mean, for there's a lot of people who are, we call them the conscious curious. Um, there's a lot of people who are kind of peeking their heads up because they understand that this is, it's, it's not just good to do for the world. It's good to do for business. Um, and that is for a variety of factors, probably the most pressing of which is the up and coming millennial generation and the folks younger than them, they are demanding this of employers. And if employers don't get on board, millennials will leave um, the, you know, the average lifespan of a millennial in any sort of job is about two years at this point because they get so dissatisfied unless they find a company that they just feel at home at that they feel is doing good for the world and where they feel appreciated and that the culture is aligned with what they want out of a company yeah no i i totally agree it's funny because i'm 34 so like i'm like just a millennial and like some of the like younger millennials i'm like i I don't understand where you guys are coming from and they probably would say the same thing (laughs) about me but it's interesting right that when you're in even like a specific kind of you know generation how it can be so different or or similar right so and then you think about all the other um, different kind of generations and titles that we've given them. It's actually quite fascinating to me. Um, but, I, but I am curious, you guys also have this Conscious Leaders Roundtable that, that was kind of interesting to me. Can you, can you tell us exactly kind of what that is and, and what was the reasoning behind kind of doing that and how can people join? Yeah, well, so we, um, it was really spurned by the, the, um, the magazine. We Actually, I'll, I'll take a step back. So I'll, I'll say the genesis of it really happened after the last presidential election. Um, we, yeah, they're, they're um, at least on our team and not to make any political comments here, but our team, um, we were pretty kind of destroyed after what happened last November. And we got together in December and just really started talking about what can we do? What, you know, what, what is our role in this as a media company? What, what is the content that we want to be pulling out? 
And the first thing that we thought of is we kind of really wanted to survey the leaders in our community about how they were feeling about this. Um, and so our January issue, we just scrapped the entire premise for our January 2016 issue and brought it to this place. You know, we were all feeling a lot of fear. And so we surveyed all of these incredible business leaders that are in our network about kind of rather than feeling fear right now, what should we do? And we had an entire issue and the, the cover says fear less blank more. And okay, we had all of these business leaders answer that question, fear less, what more? And then that kind of turned into this gorgeous little um, exercise, I guess, where we had all these business leaders who were weighing in on a specific topic. And we were saying, oh, that's, that's a really interesting thing that we have here as a company. Let's create this conscious global leaders roundtable where we bring in all these business leaders and you can join the roundtable just right on our, our website um, where we will survey you on a regular basis about the next issue or, you know, anything that's at the top of our mind. Um, one of the things that we surveyed people on in 2016 was what was actually giving people hope. Um, and that became our, our, entire issue on hope and we had rose macario the ceo of patagonia on the cover of that and we talked to her about hope and so it's essentially just this wonderful community of leaders where we survey them on a regular basis to take their pulse on how they're feeling about the issues of our time and then we're aggregating all that information and disseminating disseminating it out through the website or through the print magazine that's very cool i i think that's that's actually really cool to get kind of their thoughts on the same question. I think that's that's actually really literally fascinating. Um, but people can kind of actually say they want to join. How do you guys kind of decide who should be part of that? Yeah, that um, is just generally up to our editorial director, Rachel's discretion. She okay. um, kind of goes through the applications and, and really um, understands what it is that we're looking for in business leaders and whose voices we feel may, might not be represented and whose are already. And, and we, we, but um, I, I would say she tends to be more inclusive than exclusive on that for sure. Oh, that's, that's great. But we're kind of coming to the end of the show. So I really want to maybe give a quick overview of the world changing women's summit that that's happening in February. Do you maybe want to kind of give another quick overview of that and then where people can kind of get more information about the summit and the conscious company media and everything you guys are involved in? Yeah, sure. Um, so for, for starters, the, um, the best way is kind of, look at what we're doing is, is our websites, consciouscompanymedia.com. We also have the world changing women's summit.com. And we also have conscious company leaders forum.com. All three of those will get you information on our events and um, any sort of, um, you know, any of our products and services that we're doing, but um, for the world changing women's summit specifically, um, I think, the best things to note about it are the kind of three-day experience of being in a mindful retreat center, um, bringing together the top CEOs, entrepreneurs, founders, investors, thought leaders, and purpose-driven professionals um, who are all either working in conscious businesses or who are interested in conscious business and, and what it's all about. 
it's bringing them all together for three days to connect, have conversation, to kind of eat, drink, laugh, uh, cry together um, in a truly immersive environment where we're going to be bringing in 30 plus of the top female business leaders in the world to have really deep conversations about both what's working and what's not working um, as female business leaders and owners and professionals. So um, that's kind of the summation of the World Changing Women Summit. We're so excited about it. It is a first time event and the response to it has already just been so overwhelming. We just, we know that the time is now and women really need a place to come together as, as business leaders to find community and, and be able to talk about the things that they need to talk about and connect with their peers. So we're very excited. That's great. Well, Megan, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to be on the show and I look forward to keeping in touch with you and have a good rest of your day. Thank you. You as well. I'm uh, just so honored to be here and so grateful for you for what you do. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks very much. I appreciate that. And uh, have a good rest of your day and we'll talk soon. Bye. Thanks for listening. Please visit the show's website at buildingthefutureshow.com. Also check us out on Facebook at Building the Future Show and follow us on Twitter at Building Show. The music for the show is done by Electric Mantra. You can check him out at electricmantra.com and keep building the future.